Hello everyone, Dr. Anna Kabeca here, and today we're really going to talk about boosting our immune system, and I want to introduce to you this really special superstar in the space, although she didn't intend to be, and she comes to us with a great amount of humility. I want to introduce you to Dr. Terry Wall. She is the author of The Walls Protocol, um, subtitle, How I Beat Progressive MS, Multiple Sclerosis, Using Paleo Principles in Functional Medicine, and she's also author of this awesome cookbook called The Walls Protocol Cooking for Life. So the revolutionary modern paleo plan to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions. So I'm really thrilled, and this is such a great resource, y'all. So I want to introduce her to you and have her share her story with you. She is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa. She is just an impactful woman and someone that I have admired from afar for years. So again, I'm in um, superstar mode right now, just like so pleased to be interviewing you here. Dr. Walls, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and uh, it has been an amazing journey. It just has been uh, such a wild, exciting ride. So tell us about your story. Sure. So I'm an academic internal medicine doc, which means uh, I'm at a university. And I, uh, like many academic internal medicine docs, really believed in the newest drugs, latest technology. I was very skeptical, uh, vitamins, supplements, special diets. I thought it was all a bunch of foo-foo uh, and didn't understand why patients wasted billions and billions of dollars every year on this. You know, but God works in mysterious ways. Um, in 2000, I was diagnosed with relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis, um, and I believed in the newest drugs, latest technology, and so I wanted to see the best MS center in the country, uh, and that was the Cleveland Clinic, I went and saw their best people, took the newest drugs, and in the next three years, I had one episode of weakness involving my right arm, so had I been in a drug trial, that would have been a huge, huge success. But the problem was I was going steadily downhill. And by the end of three years, I needed to recline wheelchair. Uh, and it was time uh, that converted to progressive MS. And uh, I started uh, chemotherapy. Now, my neurology physicians at the Cleveland Clinic had also told me about uh, the paleo diet and the work of Lauren Cordain. And so I you know, read his papers, read his books, and after a lot of prayer and meditation, after 20 years of being a vegetarian, I went back to eating meat, uh, but I continued to decline, get worse, needed the wheelchair, needed the chemotherapy, continued to decline, and it was like, you know, the best conventional medicine was not stopping this march towards becoming bedridden, potentially becoming uh, demented, and having more and more refractory uh, MS-related pain. Uh, and so I started reading the basic science about uh, the animal models of MS, Parkinson's, Lou Gehrig's disease, Alzheimer's, Huntington's, decided mitochondria were key, and started using vitamin supplements, which slowed my decline but did not stop it. So by the summer of 2007, I could not sit up anymore. Uh, I, longer than 10 minutes, I'd be completely exhausted. It was a struggle to walk 10 feet using uh, two walking sticks. I was beginning to have uh, brain fog. Uh, uh, pain was getting more and more difficult to manage. Um, and that's when I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine and took their course on neuroprotection. Uh, in the midst of my brain fog, so it was really uh, quite challenging, had a longer list of vitamins and supplements, which I added. Yeah, not a lot was changing yet, 
But then I had a really, really big, uh, I should take this list of nutrients and redesign my diet to stress those nutrients. Uh, and so again, thanks to uh, the Linus Pauling Micronutrient Center, I was able to do that. Uh, and so it's still a paleo diet. I'd still no grains, no legumes, no dairy. Uh, but now it's very, very structured. Um, and it was stunning. In three months, my fatigue was gone. My uh, brain fog was gone. In six months, I'm out of the wheelchair walking around with a cane. In nine months, I get on my bike and I uh, pedal around the block. I'm crying, my wife's crying, because with progressive MS, everyone had told me, all of my neurologists have said, functions once lost are gone forever. So I had had no hope of recovery. And here I was biking again. And at a year, I did a 20-mile bike ride. So this really transforms how I practice medicine, how I think. My chair of medicine calls me and says, this is just so phenomenal. And you get a case report written, um, which we did with my treating uh, team. Uh, then he calls me back and says, I need you to do uh, shift your research program. Uh, and he helps me get uh, the mentors on board. So we did a study uh, and uh, we got that published and that launched a new uh, focus. So it's just been a dramatic and totally unexpected uh, direction that my life has taken. That is beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And to see you now, it's hard to believe, but definitely I've seen the pictures of you in the wheelchair and just looked like you were in pain, chronic pain. It, and it, just it was very it. difficult. It, and, you know, there are very few pictures of me in the wheelchair because I, you know, apparently did not like have being photographed. So I have about five and they're uh, precious. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So one thing that you mentioned and talking about is boosting the internal will. So what was like, what got your internal will? I mean, balking everything we've spent, right? Hundreds of thousand dollars in our education and our oh pharma and all this stuff. I mean, you had something in your internal well, will that committed so you to this. Um, so the first thing, uh, there's a book that I read that I really, really love, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And uh, he's an uh, Auschwitz uh, survivor, a psychiatrist who writes about having seen uh, tremendous acts of cruelty through the war, World War II. But he also saw these tremendous acts of love and devotion. And his premise was all sorts of bad things happen in our life. All sorts of stuff will happen. Uh, and there's always a space between what happens to you and your choice, what it is that you will do. And so, you know, I had two young kids, uh, eight and five. And so my mantra every day is I was actually, because I continued to work out every day as I kept getting littler and littler and littler and littler, what I could do was your kids are watching. Are you going to model giving up? Are you going to model getting up, going on, no matter how difficult life is? And so I was going to model uh, that, that you do the best you can no matter what happens. And you stay positive no matter what happens. Because that's the only thing I could control was my choice and my attitude. And that I could find joy in my life, however difficult it was. And so, you know, as I got more and more disabled, I still could find joy snugly in bed with my daughter, helping her memorize her lines for um, uh, the, play, the next play that she was in, or drawing with my kids, or sitting out there in the garden and helping my uh, family 
uh, decide how they're going to organize what was being planted that year. So it's still things that I could enjoy, still things that I could do. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing I had to do was I had to, knew, had to make sure I was trying everything that I could to slow my decline. I knew I couldn't get better, but I could perhaps slow the decline. And so I did all of that, not to get better, because I knew that was impossible. But I thought maybe I could slow the speed of my decline. Wow, and you made the impossible possible. I had, and I had no idea. Wow, that's awesome. That really is so touching. I love what you've said. And then to find joy in wherever you are. I like that you're, um, you know, you're that concept, I think, too, in, in whatever we're facing in our life, like, what are we modeling? Are we modeling joy? Are we modeling struggle and worry? Are we modeling giving up? Are we modeling no matter what, persevere? be patient, persist, keep looking for answers. And you modeled all of that. And that is tremendous. In that you can still find joy and pleasure, whatever your circumstances. You can still model the fact that there is stuff to be joyful about in your life, uh, whatever your circumstances are. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So tell us, like, how has this now, tell us what you're doing in your world now as a result of your revive. Like, what's your clinic like now? And so um, very exciting, just stunning uh, stuff. Um, so I kept writing grants. I was doing a little pilot studies. Uh, these grants would go off to get reviewed. They'd get, you know, ripped to shreds. People would say that I had no idea what uh, the pathophysiology of MS was, et cetera. But I kept writing my grants. I kept doing my pilot studies. We had more and more impressive uh, pilot data. Uh, and ultimately, we got funded. We got funded by the National Multiple Sclerosis Society uh, with a, uh, the largest award that they've given to a clinical trial, I believe, today test uh, our study diet uh, and compare it to the swank diet and compare both diets to an observation period uh, and we'll have over a uh, hundred patients in that uh, so that's a, a very exciting study uh, and it also means that we, ha we had to go through peer review and we finally had enough compelling data that even my uh, skeptic uh, physician scientist colleague said this study will probably work, and therefore we should uh, invest sizable resources behind it. Um, the other thing that I do, you know, I, I present our research, uh, I give lectures around the university. Uh, in, uh, this year, the department, uh, well, actually it was last year, the Department of Neurology has, has given me a, a secondary appointment. Uh, the College of Public Health has given me a secondary appointment there as well. Uh, the uh, department uh, that teaches the physical therapist are talking with me, asking me would I be willing to take a secondary appointment uh, for them. So, I mean, it, and, the, and the fun thing about this, when I first started having these conversations about diet and lifestyle being so powerful for neurodegeneration, people didn't know what to make of it. I had intense criticism. Um, so that was 10 years ago. Now, uh, 10 years later, uh, I have international recognition. Uh, we're uh, funded uh, research by uh, the MS Society, uh, and here at the university, um, you know, more departments uh, and colleges are asking me uh, to uh, uh, lecture their students and to uh, accept secondary appointments. So uh, wonderful things are happening, um, and it's of course 
you know, lots of fun to watch and do and do my research. Um, and then uh, we have uh, public outreach uh, uh, for the public and the, and the very small um, uh, private practice that I do because I, I want to continue to have a little bit of uh, private practice as well. Wow. Yeah, no, it's expansive. Your world has become so expansive as well as your influence. So it's exciting. I'd love for you to share with us some of the pearls of your dietary plan, like the reason behind no grains, no legumes at all, at all, at all. So um, this has to do with something called lectins. Lectins are... um, proteins that have a sugar side chain uh, to them. Uh, They're very common in uh, parts of the plant world and a little bit of the animal world as well. And you might think of this as the poison that that organism creates to kill off other organisms that are trying to eat it. So in the plant world, that means they'll put it in the nuts and seeds. uh, And uh, uh, so grains, legumes have a lot of these lectins. And depending on your genetic vulnerability, these lectins can be just a little bit annoying to you or very, very annoying to your immune cells and cause this aggressive response. So if you have an autoimmune condition, you're more likely to have this aggressive response, particularly to wheat uh, and the gluten-containing grains. So that's why I really stress being uh, gluten-free. In our research, because I want people to have the best chance to do well in our diet, we grain-free, legume-free, uh, and dairy-free. I allow people to have clarified butter, but all of that is to reduce the lectin exposure. In addition, I recommend uh, taking out nightshades because they also have a lot of lectins in them, and that would be the potatoes, tomatoes, uh, peppers, and eggplants. In my book, for the public, I do this in a staged fashion. So there's uh, uh, really four variations of my diet in the book where you steadily reduce the amount of lectins. Um, and I also provide a ketogenic uh, uh, option as well because there's a lot of benefit for ketosis. Um, in general, you can't just leap into this kind of very restrictive diet without a lot of support and guidance, which is why in my book, I have much more of the public health perspective and give people guidance how to just gradually reduce their lectins and ease into this more nutrient-dense diet. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Like, can you give us a day, a day in your life, a day in the life of like that key transition, your best day, your best dietary nutrition? Okay, so I'm going to give you two days. So the okay. first day is sort of a level one, let's just sort of get started with the program. Um, and so for that, you're going to get rid of uh, gluten grains, um, if you want to be vegetarian, I still give you some guidance on how to do that. And we ramp the day up. So you might have uh, a, a big green smoothie in the morning uh, and have some protein, uh, perhaps collagen that you've put in that smoothie. Uh, very fast, very easy. And then uh, because you're busy, you take make a big batch of the smoothie so you can take half the smoothie with you. Uh, uh, to have for your midday snack. And you might take some sprouted nuts with you as well. Um, or uh, 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 perhaps if you're a, a meat eater, a, a meat bar as well. So that's a, a very nice way to have a fast, easy uh, go-to meal for breakfast and for lunch. Then you come home and have a huge, humongous salad and you're going to have your 
a complete protein. If you're a meat eater, that's meat. If you're a vegetarian, I give people some vegetarian guidance. Uh, and then um, we'll want you to have, uh, as I said, a lot of greens, a lot of sulfur-containing vegetables in the cabbage, onion, mushroom family. Uh, and then I want you to have something that's really uh, brightly colored uh, as well, uh, beets, carrots, uh, berries, and all of that. Um, and then uh, because people want to have some sort of yummy kind of dessert, I suggest that they make something like chia seed pudding. Uh, mm -hmm. So coconut milk, chia seed, and you've mixed uh, that together. You want that to soak at least six hours so you can germinate the seeds, which will decrease those lectins. So it'll be less irritating to your immune cells. Uh, and so that'll make a very lovely dessert, particularly if you have a few uh, berries or fruit with it. Um, so you've, you get to have something that feels sweet and luxurious. Uh, but you've been eating food that really nourishes your brain, your cells all day long. Mm, can we have uh, dark chocolate on top yeah, of that? That's really lovely. Pink? Yeah, it's a great dark chocolate on top. That's just fabulous. Or put some like a cow nib on top. Have that. Oh, yes. Very, very nice. Um, or you could add cocoa and cinnamon to your chia seed pudding and have a sort of a chocolate mousse kind of thing. Also, very, very lovely. Now, so. So I'm 17 years into this. I've been working on my diet and lifestyle over the 17 years. What does my day look like today? Um, so I, I get up this morning, and I typically get up between 4 and 5 when I wake up um, uh, so that I go meditate. Um, uh, then I will have some uh, mat exercises I do uh, for my physical therapist. I go downstairs, uh, uh, invert on my inversion table uh, with some positive affirmations while I'm doing that. Then I go to my vibrating platform exercise and do more strength training exercises. Then I come back up. I do some more balance training exercises. I make my uh, tea. Uh, that's brewing. I have a few vitamins and supplements that I take with my green tea. I'll open up my pool. I jump in my pool. I actually get in my endless pool. I'll swim and do my uh, aquatic exercises. It's not long, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Then I get into my sauna and I read for 20 minutes. Um, right now I'm reading Thieves of State, really a very compelling book. Um, uh, and then uh, after, after 20 minutes, I'm beginning to sweat, so I, I don't want to drip all over my book. I have to take that out. Then I uh, continue my sauna for another hour. And while I'm in my sauna, I'm doing isometric and range of motion exercises within the sauna. Within the sauna, I change positions every 10 minutes while I'm doing a variety of stuff. I get out of the sauna. I take a shower. I do my cognitive training, that, and that's what I was doing this morning. I do cognitive training for you know, 10 to 30 minutes, depending on uh, what's going on. Um, and all of that will take me three to three and a half hours. Uh, and then uh, I go off to work. I'll drink uh, filtered water uh, during the day. And then in the evening, I'll come home, um, and I'll make dinner. Uh, we'll have a huge salad or cooked greens. Um, I will have uh, sulfur-contained vegetables. I really love uh, black fermented uh, garlic. It's just like, oh, my God, that is so yummy. Uh, uh, right now, uh, we have a lot of Brussels sprouts and cranberries and bacon. That is so yummy. So that's my sulfur-contained vegetables and the uh, uh, fermented black garlic uh, and uh, cranberries that that is just like incredibly yummy, delicious. My family loves that. Um, and we had uh, some brats that our local butcher makes that doesn't have any, you know, uh, problem stuff in it. So 
we have we'll have those as well. Uh, and then I uh, use phosphatidylcholine uh, in some omega-3, omega-6 fats uh, that I blend to make a little smoothie. I add some inulin powder, and I'll probably uh, uh, blend all that uh, with some cocoa and cinnamon, make sort of a little chocolate mousse. Uh, and then I put some aronia, which are like black currants in all of that. So now it's a purple chocolate mousse. And then I put some frozen blackberries or raspberries or cherries or blueberries on top of all of that, put it in the refrigerator. That's my uh, little dessert treat uh, after the evening. All of this together uh, is probably uh, 40 to 50 uh, carbohydrates, grams of carbs. So it's uh, the ketogenic uh, diet that I'm following. And I do that during the winter. During the summer, it'll be more of a moderate carbohydrate. So I'll go out of slightly out of ketosis, still very low glycemic index. And then back winter, you know, next fall, I'll be back in ketosis. And so it really is seasonal ketosis. Um, and, you know, I spend two to four hours in this self-care every day. Uh, but now that I do that, I sleep much better. I'm much more productive at work. I, you know, I had my uh, meeting with my chair, uh, my division chief, uh, and he was talking about, you know, how productive I've been with all the manuscripts that we've gotten uh, published, um, the lecture I'm doing uh, around the world, uh, and the research. So, and, and you're only working half time. I know you've got this, your private practice and your seminar. How do you do it all? I said, well, you know, this is, since I figured out that in order to, to do well, I have to spend all this time taking care of myself. What I discovered is I'm vastly more effective at all the other times. If I attend to all this meditation, exercise, e-stem, sign, I'm happier and more effective. That's, that's huge. That's self-care. And that's just such a, a message for our listeners is that self-care and the right self-care, right? That empowerment, the way I love that what you do. I mean, definitely you're preaching my Bible too. I mean, this is like so in line with what I call a keto alkaline lifestyle. I mean, this is, you've got the blend of everything, especially all those good cruciferous vegetables and the nutrients, but yet the positive, like disciplining your mind, direct it to where it should mm -hmm. go, right? Disciplining your mind and taking care of your body, giving it what it needs and not relinquishing on that. So what, it, when you are so busy and you're traveling, how do you maintain that self-care? Well, you know, um, when I f was flying a lot, I was having more problems with pain, more problems, um, a, a lot more problems with pain. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to have to uh, cut out this traveling. Now, fortunately, I, I, I go see my, my own personal functional medicine doc, and I was talking with uh, Julia about this. And she said, you know, uh, I, I bet it's the jet fuel and the uh, increased radiation from all the altitude. Um, so let's uh, revisit some of your detox uh, strategies. Um, so I did that, which is also part of why I'm very committed to this hour sauna uh, that I do every day. Uh, and that really made a phenomenal uh, difference. Is it an uh, infrared sauna? Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. infrared sauna. Uh, and so uh, that's been helpful. Uh, I have a, a little different detox regimen that I do uh, when I'm traveling and uh, when I'm home. Um, and so I may not get my uh, three-hour uh, usual ritual in, uh, but I still 
uh, wake up early uh, between uh, four and five. Now, it can, it, usually central time, so that yeah, is a little bit of a time issue if I'm going to the West Coast or the East Coast, I have to sort of deal with that. Uh, and then I'll do my mat exercises, uh, et cetera, and I'll do an Epsom salts bath instead of uh, a sauna. Um, but, you know, I still get up early. I still do the meditation. I still do, there's a lot of my exercises I can do in the hotel room, so that's not a problem. Instead of doing a sauna, I do an Epsom salts bath, so I travel, I, I carry that with me. Um, and I have a, a more intensive uh, detox uh, regimen that I do uh, when flying is involved. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I was like big on iodine and vitamin C when we fly too, but just keeping that extra care that's so, you know, adding into phase two detoxifying support. What are the things correct, that you're correct. adding? So, so I, I, um, I'm eating a lot of cabbage as I fly. I take more algae while I fly. Mm -hmm. I take more N-acetylcysteine um, while I fly. And I have upped up, I've monitored my iodine uh, status with iodine load status. Uh, and so I make sure that I keep my iodine replete <clears throat> because I swim a lot. So yeah, yeah. I, have to, I have to monitor that and make sure I'm keeping my iodine up. Yeah, good points. Those are those are big, you know, really big factors that make a difference in the long haul. Now, with this, with you had suffered from multiple sclerosis, but the walls protocol is good for all of us and any reason, but yes. definitely other autoimmune diseases. I, as you gave through your list of the day, do you also like? I, I want, I'd love to touch on vitamin D supplementation and estriol. Um, the oh yeah yeah so estriol. Uh, I don't know if you use oh, yeah, that yeah. or okay. so. Let's let's well we'll talk first about vitamin D. I, I think vitamin D uh, is so helpful uh, in terms of epigenetic influence, in terms of activating antimicrobial peptides, um, and it will help you absorb more calcium. But you also have to be very careful about vitamin K2. So yes. when you absorb that calcium, it gets into your teeth and bones, and not into your heart valves and blood vessels. So that, you know, that's right, breast tissue. So you, you'll get ectopic calcium if you don't have enough vitamin K2. So where do you get vitamin K2? Tons and tons of greens, and then your bacteria will convert it to K2 and you'll absorb it. You can also get it from organic clarified butter, from liver, from grass-fed animals. Um, it, and so that is, is vital, 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 vital. You have to get lots of K2. Um, and then you can talk about uh, should you take K2 supplements with your vitamin D, and that's a conversation to have with your uh, practitioner. Mm -hmm. It's also really, really important to monitor your vitamin D levels. Now, the research would say um, vitamin, giving supplemental vitamin D has not been helpful. Of course, they gave, most of those studies never bothered to monitor the levels, so they didn't know if 400 units or 800 units or 1,000 units was enough. In the studies that monitor the levels, you, you get uh, favorable outcomes. Uh, and the other thing that, that my other problem I have with a lot of the vitamin D research is they, don't, they didn't know how to monitor vitamin K2 intake or vitamin K2 levels. So in our study, we monitor vitamin D, we monitor uh, K2 levels, we monitor uh, vitamin K intake. So we're going to be able to report on all that stuff. It'll be very, very nice. Um, now, there was another part of this question. I already forgot what it was. What was the second part? About estriol. Oh, estriol. So in the uh, MS world, uh, uh, we're certainly aware that 
the hormonal shifts during pregnancy appear to uh, shift our immune response uh, and uh, decrease in the pro-inflammatory state uh, and uh, quiet MS and quiet many, many autoimmune conditions. Now, there have been a couple of very interesting studies using S-trial uh, at doses ranging from two milligrams to eight milligrams uh, and they added, used it as an add-on to conventional uh, uh, disease-modifying drugs. And they saw that if you use the S-trial as an add-on, you have fewer relapses. So in Europe, uh, there's more use for S-trial. Uh, certainly some of the uh, functional medicine docs, uh, the anti-aging docs, will be very keen on S-trial. And we'll talk with people about using S-trial uh, either as a cream or you can absorb it th uh, through the skin or the vaginal mucosa or as a, uh, uh, a trochee that you can hold in your mouth, let uh, dissolve. And yes, I uh, also use S-trial personally. Now, um, has it made a difference for me? No. Uh, I turned off my disease very effectively using the Walls protocol. And if I go to your house, Anna, and you accidentally serve me stuff that has gluten in it, I will have incapacitating face pain, uh, uh, usually in 6 to 24 hours, that I will have to take high-dose steroids to turn off or go take Cyumedrol to turn off. So I, I have, over the years, learned to be very, very assertive and clear on the, I, I can't have any gluten, I can't have any dairy. Um, it, and if I'm accidentally served that, I'll be in the hospital with uh, refractory pain. So what's safe to eat? Uh, and then I'll, I offer to uh, bring food uh, to my guests to make it easier for them. Um, and I'm also perfectly fine uh, bringing my own coconut milk and tea and just having coconut milk and tea while I watch everyone else eat rather than uh, risk having my pain turn on. Wow, man, that's so amazing. And that, you know, would be so nice to say, okay, well, we can do this for a certain amount of time, and then we're back to incorporating other things. But it's a, it's a hard no, it's a hard line. I mean, that's, that's it, you can't cross it. And Correct. that's something to learn. So, so, so you know, um, if you uh, made some hummus for me, which I generally don't normally eat, but you've made uh, some hummus because, you know, it's gluten-free, Yes, I, I, I can, there are foods that I will occasionally have. Uh, one of my uh, Jordanian friends made a very delicious eggplant meal, which I, I love eggplant. Uh, and so I had a small amount of it. I can do that on occasion. I can't have uh, tomatoes every day. That'll turn on my pain. I have eggplant every day. That'll turn on my pain. But if I have a small amount, uh, very sporadically, I do fine. A tiny amount of gluten, I'll be incapacitated. Amazing, uh, and I'm really quite grateful that that I have that uh, mo that marker now. My pain, which had been so ho horrific for so long, has now become my friend because it tells me like, some you know something's not right. You got to think deeply, figure out what what it was, and get it fixed. Yeah, no, that said so beautifully because you know it's so interesting that we can eat like dairy is a huge sensi sensitivity for me, so I get it. When um, but we can go, you know, we can live our life eating gluten and dairy and just slowly 
you know, be numb to the effects until there's diseases, diagnosis, et cetera. And then all of a sudden we clean that up. This is why my patients, when we detox them, and then they go back to eating something that they used to love and eat all the time. Like, it never bothered me before. Now it bothers me. What did you do to me? <laughs> So it's your body is alerting you that this is a problem and it's going to cause devastation and that's creating this huge inflammatory cascade. How do you explain it? Well, um, I explain that when they were dying slowly, they had accommodated to that dying slowly and just thought that was part of life. Now that that inflammatory cascade is going off and they realize all this damage that's happening in their brain uh, and in their cells uh, now this is jarring to their system. Uh, and so they can decide, do you want to go back to that and go back to that slowly dying? Um, or do you want to have your cells uh, functioning as optimally as possible? Uh, and I, I try to remind everyone, you know, this is a choice. You can choose what, what you're going to eat, how you're going to deal with this. Uh, and uh, it's, it's not up to me. It's entirely up to you. Mm, yeah, I love it. And then just working to eliminate it completely and then be able to see what works, what doesn't work back with you. The other thing I've, I've learned to remind people is that um, we are so addicted to these uh, sweet f uh, foods, uh, the gluten, uh, the uh, dairy, uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, so as the longer we are, uh, are away from them and we'll begin to forget how sick we were um, and the world will keep trying to convince you that an occasional extravagance, uh, an occasional thing will be okay. And depending on your physiology and your, your genetics, it might be right that an occasional thing will be okay. But for the vast majority of folks, it will not be. And what you'll be setting up is this slow death again. Uh, and if you're fortunate, if you're incredibly fortunate, you'll have acute symptoms that make you miserable. Um, and so you'll get like, I can't do that because it's making me miserable. Um, it, you know, and, and my two kids, um, uh, one child has acute problems uh, with severe headaches. Uh, and so uh, she doesn't have problems with dairy, but has uh, severe headaches uh, if she uh, does any gluten. So she's figured out how to be completely uh, gluten-free uh, through college, after college, living with roommates, and she stays gluten-free. Uh, my son was gluten-free for a while. His acne went away, his asthma went away, uh, his migraines went away, uh, and uh, then he uh, and he was uh, gluten-free, dairy-free, I think, for a couple years. Then gradually put things back in, and you could see the acne come up a little bit on his forehead. The asthma comes a little bit, but he doesn't have headaches. So these things are, are relatively mild, and he he can sort of titrate on and off. Uh, and so they have the same genes, making different decisions, and you know we'll see how it works out for them long term. Um, it is far, and my son uh, makes the comment, it'd be far, far easier if he had an acute symptom. Um, and uh, he's made the comment that uh, to his sister that, you know, I know you don't like having the migraines, but in the end, it's, you're, you're probably better served than I am. You know, my, my forehead is so mild that uh, he's just not as diligent uh, on his dietary choices. 
I love that. I love that example. So also with genetic testing, is there a way to find out if you can have leptins or not have leptins other than, you know, the elimination approach? You know, the gold standard is uh, doing the elimination diet and having the lectin-rich food out for <clears throat> six months and then reintroducing it one ingredient at a time, uh, one ingredient per week. Clearly the gold standard. Um, there are no uh, blood tests that tell you about lectins. There are some blood tests for specific food proteins. Uh, the problem with these tests is they're not, uh, uh, there's no national standard, uh, they're not uniform, so we don't really know uh, what they will mean. You can get tests for IgG or adaptive antibodies, you can get tests for innate immune response, that is cell lysis, um, nothing that combines both. Uh, and, and because we don't have a national standard on the antigens, it can be very difficult to know what they mean. Um, so yes, they could be helpful. In yes, I did use these tests to convince my kids that I think you do have both uh, some gluten sensitivity issues, uh, and that was helpful for that. In my clinical practice uh, at the VA and in my clinical practice now, I use zero uh, blood tests. I use the uh, elimination diet and explain that's the gold standard. If you want to work with me, that's what I use. If, you, if you're not ready to do that, that's fine. You can go work with someone else. Yeah, no, I like that because too, it's that discipline and practice and nothing beats, you know, being the off it standard. completely. Yeah. And then reintroducing it. Right. And then you're like, oh, heck no, I can never have that again. I mean, it's so interesting. It's so shocking. So the microbiome is a huge, you know, topic right now. How does the WALS protocol influence the microbiome? And I'd wow. love to touch on that. I, you know, I am so excited about that. So, um, uh, there's more and more evidence that our uh, microbes in our gut are, are a huge, huge impact on helping us run the chemistry of life. And so if thousands of generations ago, a genetic mutation came up so I couldn't do um, a biochemical process XYZ, but my microbes could, we still had reproductive success. And at that moment, that the genes that manage the um, genetic, pro the biochemical process for XYZ got passed on from my genes to my microbes. So they're critical for how our brains work, our immune cells work, how our hormonal, hormonal balancing works. We are increasingly recognized that the food we eat will determine which microbes are there. And if uh, we may be missing some key biochemical steps, if we don't have a diverse enough uh, microbial population. Now you could go to pubmed.gov, type in the name of your disease that you're worried about and the microbiome, and you'll probably get a lot of hits now. Uh, and it's a lot of recognition that the microbes are different between healthy people and people with your disease. We don't quite know what to make of that other than to say they're really, really important. Uh, and I think there are six studies now that document in the setting of MS that the microbes are very, very different. And I am incredibly excited because we've recruited one of those scientists to work on our study. And we are, um, because I, I have uh, some internal funding uh, from philanthropists, we've been able to collect microbiome specimens in our clinical trial um, during the observation period, two specimens, and two specimens during the intervention periods. So we'll be able to see how the microbes change and we'll also be able to see 
the metabolic function of those microbes. So stay tuned. We that will is so write, cool. Write about that. Yeah, that is so cool. Because if you look at, like, I would just imagine in your um, back in 2000, in your worst disease state, that from there to your what your microbiome was to what it is now, just the tremendous shift. It's so cool to be able to test that now and to actually yes. be able to have studies that are going to show you this, what changes. this difference. What changes? Because it's got to be huge. It has to be huge. And because we have, we have uh, so it, not only are we doing this in the setting of uh, MS, uh, I have another uh, basic science collaborator who is studying this uh, in healthy controls. Uh, and I'm uh, meeting with more basic scientists, collaborators here at the university, and we're developing a mouse model to study uh, the effect of diet on MS, uh, the low saturated fat diet, the uh, conventional American diet, and uh, the wall, our, our uh, steady diet, wall steady diet. Um, so uh, we'll be running those experiments this summer. Again, very exciting stuff. Uh, and this is how practice standards change. Uh, is to do the clinical trials, and now uh, because I'm you know so persistent, the basic scientists here at the University of Iowa are asking for meetings with me to talk about how we design basic science studies to understand the mechanisms by which uh, diet and lifestyle are so impactful. It's a very exciting time. It's hard to sleep at night. I have to really work at you know meditating, getting you know, everything turned off and quiet. Uh, but I'm ex excited because now I figured out that it's so important to do all those things. I spend a lot more time uh, with self-care in the morning and in the evening to uh, do those things. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Well, how can people see you? Tell them where they can find your stuff. I know that sure. your book is available on Amazon. I want to show people, you know, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life. And your first book is The Walls Protocol. I love, I love this one because I'm always looking at new recipes and great ideas. So, uh, so first off, let's have them go to terrywalls.com, T-E-R-Y, walls.com. Uh, and uh, on the resource pages, um, uh, you can uh, hear information about who's been uh, certified as a health professional. Uh, you'll also see that we have a seminar coming up that we do every August for patients. And we also invite clinicians to come and spend a, an extra uh, session with us uh, to uh, go through the case-based learning, take the exam so we can get them certified. Uh, and we have a page where you can register uh, to be on the waiting list to get into the uh, private practice with private practice with me as well. And I certainly want everyone to sign up for the emails so you can hear announcements uh, when we're doing a webinar uh, and talking about um, uh, with other functional medicine practitioners. Um, we'll be, uh, ha we have that uh, once a month. And so being on the email, you'll get to hear about that. Mm, good, great, excellent. So, um, so the terrywalls.com, T-R-R-W-A-H-L-S, and we'll put a link in the, in the show notes. So Terry, let's conclude with telling our viewers what are three things they can do right now that would make a difference in their life. Uh, number one, uh, replace the sugar and grains with more non-starchy vegetables. Uh, number two, take some time to uh, reflect on uh, for what you are grateful every day. Uh, mm -hmm. some gratitude. Uh, number three, uh, do uh, some movement, whether it is uh, stretching, uh, strength training, balance training every day. And even if it's just 60 seconds, stand at your back in the corner, 
practicing standing on one leg or closing your eyes, uh, that will be invaluable. Mm -hmm. I agree. Great tips. Thank you so much. I feel I've met a kindred spirit in you and I thank you for spending your time with me tonight, today and all our listeners and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you. And for our listeners, please share this. You can download it also on iTunes, on YouTube as well, as well as on our social media, dranacabeca.com. Please share it with your friends and colleagues. There's so many good pearls. I've written three pages of notes just listening to you. I love your one-offs too, your pearls of wisdom. Thank you so much again. You're very welcome.